Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 227. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And on this week's show, we're talking van life with an entrepreneur named Risa Scott. She is just a fantastic person, and this is a whimsical, fun, freewheeling chat that covers a ton of subjects, including why Justin Timberlake is like the wind, how Daniel Radcliffe might be the British Elijah Wood. And the distinction between doing what you love for a living and doing what you love to do for other people, which is an important distinction. Now, who is Risa? First of all, I have to give a shout annoyingly once again to Brad Haig, who continues to pepper me with great guests and amazing suggestions. He's an amazing dude. He gets mentioned on what, like half the shows here. And I have to really thank him for this one because Risa was a fantastic chat. We're a couple of kind of off-kilter cats. And so we had just a really fun, interesting, kind of weird conversation. Secondly, Risa lives out of her van. And I don't mean that like in a Matt Foley way, but she custom outfitted an RV. Literally, she's an engineer by trade. She has a bachelor's and I think master's in engineering where she was able to gut this van and make it entirely to her own specifications. We did the interview from inside the van and man, is it cool in there. She's got pretty much everything, and the way that she sort of custom cut these drawers to fit the plumbing on her sink, it's remarkable. And the whole time we were talking, her dog was sitting behind my back, like just turning around in a circle, like paws in my ass crack. It was hilarious. And so we were just like outside this climbing gym. It was a beautiful day in Denver, and we talked about whatever came to mind. So... It bears mention she is a photographer. She's got her own photo business. Check out the links to all of her stuff on the John of All Trades companion blog piece. That's J-O-N of all trades dot U-S. It's also in the show notes if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher. And she's done a ton. She's had engineering jobs. She's worked in restaurants. She was a competitor on American Ninja Warrior. We spent some time talking about that. And she has a ton of passions, whether it's ice hockey or equestrian or motocross riding or whatever. She's out there collecting experiences, collecting stories, and it's weird because the two of us get a similar kind of compliment, which is, man, you seem like you do really fun stuff. I wish I could do stuff like that. And anytime I get that, it breaks my heart a little bit because it's like, you know what? You can. You really can. I know I got a really good kick in the ass when I was let go from my corporate gig, and that propelled me into this whole world that I have now which due to my mental health, I sometimes struggle with and I sometimes resent, which is ridiculous when I think about it sort of abstractly and in a vacuum, but it allows me the freedom to pursue the things that I want to do. So connecting with a similar kind of energy with Risa was just really, really fulfilling. And it's a fun, super interesting, varied chat that breezes by. I know you're going to love it. A quick plug for my day job, Deft Communications is my company, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.U-S. I had a really tough beginning to this year, but the second half is shaping up amazingly. I've got a ton of work going on. I'm working with great organizations, and I'm helping them tell their story in a really interesting, new, and nuanced way. Like Risa, I love 
finding out people's stories, and I love helping tell them. I love working on things that matter. I don't typically do a lot of publicity. I don't do like spin. Um, I'm more interested in issues that affect us all. So if you have such a campaign or you have an organization that needs help telling its story, hit me up. I can do it through training. I can do it through content. I can do it through engagement, or I can do it through podcasting. Those are the four main pillars, and I'm happy to explain them in more detail. Just go to my website. It's deftcom.us. I've been doing this business now for four and a half years, the podcast for five and a half years, and I could not be happier or more thrilled to continue to be able to bring you content like this and work on my own and work with organizations I care about. Now then, let's move on to episode 227. I've got Risa Scott. I refer to her as a polymath. She's a photographer, an actor, an engineer, former American Ninja Warrior competitor, a lover of ice hockey, equestrian, motocross. We cover all of these things and a ton more. It's episode 227, and it starts right now. Which is definitely the most aesthetically pleasing climbing gym I've ever seen. <laughs> Their walls are just really pretty and well-designed. Um, and it's a relatively new gym. It's within the last two years. So okay. um, it's got that new facility feel. So the and that new are gym wonderful. smell. Yeah, and the, the showers are wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, it matters. Given that we're here inside your RV, this custom-made, custom-fitted RV, you were telling me, like, finding a place with a shower is always kind of... Uh, a, a good thing, right? And climbing yeah. gyms are really receptive to that. Well, I mean, they offer the shower to all their members, so it's not like right. they're holding up a big flag. Like, if you live in an <laughs> RV, come shower here. It's not like that at all. Right. In fact, they kind of want to keep it. They, they, you don't want to use it just for that. So I would be respectful, and you go, and I'm like, okay, I climb here. I work out here, and yeah. I also shower here. And it's not that the RV doesn't have a shower. I do. Um, it's just a man. It's like managing resources. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, well, why fill my tanks and then have to go drive 20 minutes to go uh, empty them if I can just shower after my workout. So it's more like that. It's not. It's not like a being a user or anything like that. But um, that said, when friends offer showers, I'm like sure. <laughs> yeah, of course, you're not going to turn that down, right? <laughs> yeah, it's that and laundry that have become like really big oh, deals yeah. in your life. All of a sudden, like you don't think about those things when you just have them in your house. But all of a sudden, when you live in a house that moves that doesn't have laundry, you're kind of like. If somebody's like, oh, you want to park in my house and do laundry? And I'm like, yes, I'll make you tea and dinner and everything. <laughs> Desperately, I want to do laundry. I was, uh, I had on in the background the other day, kind of a crappy movie, but 40 Days and 40 Nights. Did you see that one with Josh Hartnett? I've never seen it. Okay, it's not great. He basically takes a vow of celibacy for Lent. That sounds awful. And, yeah, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, but, sounds, uh, sounds a lot like a plot of a, a movie with him in it. <laughs> Yeah, if you were just pulling one out of the sky. Yeah, it was just like if you were like yeah. talking to somebody, you're like, you know, like if Josh Hartnett would be about XYZ and that would be your XYZ. Like, yeah, spin the wheel. 2001, Josh Hartnett. Yep. Screwball comedy. Yep, uh, it's about celibacy during... Uh, Do you want to hear like, a funny story? Of course. So I work at this restaurant in the Bay Area. Oh, um, anyway, I just want to put a button on this. A oh. lot of the action takes place at a laundromat. Oh, okay. So you brought up laundry and I go, oh, yeah, I kind of got that on the brain now. That's weird. Okay, so now you're thinking of those movies yeah we're doing a little bit of free association here apparently that's fine well because now i'm going to associate further and say i used to work at this restaurant in the bay area and actually work i'll be working there seasonally i really love it there okay but uh somebody i was serving a table and uh somebody was just like 
oh, ha ha, uh, Josh Hartnett. And I just thought they meant the guy looked like him. <laughs> and so I, you know, I'm serving the table or whatever. And then he pays at the end of the night. And I look at the credit card. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it's actually Josh Hartnett. It's, it's actually him. So when I have the credit card back, you know, I didn't say anything. I was just like, hey, have a good night. And he's like, thanks. It was really good. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, take care. But, <laughs> like, I don't really get starstruck, but I, I always suffer from that. I'll always assume it's not them. Uh, yeah, sure. And um, I guess I get that from my mom because she had a whole conversation one time with this lady at her at our family restaurant. And um, at the end of it, she turns to our manager and she goes, that woman looked just like Meryl Streep. And everybody just was like, palm face. Because <laughs> guess who it was? <laughs> yeah. So you're not like Tig Notaro, though, where she doesn't know any celebrities at all. So she has a whole show based around interviewing famous people. Because she, the, she doesn't the, know them? Yeah. And so by the end of well, the she interview, has to, like, she has to guess. She has to from media, I guess. I suppose. That. Oh, she has to guess who they are based off yeah. of her loosely. See, that would be me, I think, because <laughs> it's not just that, I don't know, I don't. I didn't watch TV growing up, so I didn't just, I didn't grow really? up with like this fan base thing. Like I had friends who were all like, oh my God, Justin Timberlake and all this stuff. And I was like, who is that again? And like the one in the picture, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. And now I like know who that is, you know, because he's right. been around for 20 years of your entire life. But uh, yeah, he exists like the wind at this point. Yeah, he <laughs> breezes in your life every now yeah. and again. And you're, you're like, just oh yeah. like, hey man, what's up? <laughs> My favorite one of him is uh, he was drunk at the MLB All Star game one time and just heckling the announcer. <laughs> It was outrageous. It was so cool. My favorite thing of his is that he jumped in on the Lonely Island stuff. And oh, totally. And great cameos and, and those it, things. He seems like a really good dude. Yeah. But like, there's sometimes celebrities where you're just like, man, I just want to, like, get coffee with that person and just totally. be like, dude, what, like, what's your what's your deal? What's your story? And not, like, in a way where I, like, you idolize them or, like, oh, my God, I love everything you've done because it's not about that. It's just about, like, hey, what, how, A to B, man, what's, like, totally. how did that happen? And uh, and I think we talked about this right before we started recording, but, you know, I just love people's stories, and that's why I do what I do, and that's kind of what's gotten me into all sorts of weird adventures. It's just like, you know, kind of like a chasing the stories thing. Well, let's get into that. This is Risa Scott, and I don't even know. Normally, here's where I do the, the title. I mean, uh -huh. you are a photographer. Yeah. Actor. Yeah. I, I almost want to call you a retired engineer. No. <laughs> I think. I mean, it's you're not doing like, it professionally, it's right? It's kind of like being in the Marines. I think once and always. Okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like it's the it's your brain that makes you an engineer. So, I gotcha. You know, once a nerd, always a nerd. You know, you know, you're never a former nerd. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Like you're not reformed. It, right. It's it's a mental thing. So I I am an engineer because I could always go back to it. Um, but sure. I'm not a. It's like okay. No, I'm not a practicing engineer. You're not a currently practicing Practice. engineer. <laughs> Um, former American Ninja Warrior contestant. Oh, you brought that up. Well, I Did asked you, you before. <laughs> <laughs> I asked you before. Is there anything you don't want to talk about? I don't. I I'm don't, not going to show all the. I cards. don't not want to talk about it, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, no. Um, That's fine. But the reason I bring all this up is, I was really struck. I actually watched your submission tape. Okay. <laughs> um, but what was crazy is, so you're like riding motorcycles. And you're riding horses, and you're talking about how much you love ice hockey. Yeah, and I learned all, all that climbing. just for that video. I've never done any of that before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, well played. You had me snowed. Uh, I I'm not prepared to do any jumps on a horse at this point. Mm -hmm. um, or was that all CGI? Uh, no, that was 100 percent um, me just realizing that I have um, probably ADHD. <laughs> And I was just like, wow, I could just put all this stuff in a video and they'll probably let me on the show. Nice. Um, and they did, right? And they did. Um, and they, I 
had got along really well with the producers too, so they were like really psyched about me. And then they just kept being like, "So you're gonna be the first one to finish the course, right? It's gonna be you. Is it gonna be you?" And I was like, "This is a lot of pressure for something that doesn't like, matter." Dude, very he's much. off the gas. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "I like you know, I'm I'm like used to having cameras pointed at me, but when you're on that show, it is a whole nother level. And it is like." You're a whole stadium full of people. I mean, and then it was, I got the wild card thing for the Vegas finals the second right. year. And that was like the one that was just like, I mean, that is a week long production Jeez. just to, to watch you fail because everybody fails at some <laughs> point, right? Except the one guy that maybe finishes the whole course. And that's certainly not going to be me. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, so everybody's here just waiting for like, we're all, even me, just waiting for the one fuck up I make. <laughs> and that's. That, that's like a different level of stress. Yeah. You know, because there's not many things that you enter into with that kind of like crowd and multiple cameras and, you know, in a, in a costume they make you wear and you're all like made up and you just and then the, the whole thing is like, all right, now go fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and let's make sure the, the film is in the camera. Yeah. Wow. So I, I realize it's not my thing. There's gotcha. a lot of I made a lot of friends on that show and who are still doing it every year. Wow. And um I I love those guys to death, but they're like I'm just like I don't I mean cool that they made it their life. Like every year it's, you know, teaching like clinics and working at other gyms and training and then getting on the show and that whole thing lasts a couple of months and then they just repeat the cycle and it's been like I don't know how many years it was 2012 was the last yeah. time I did it and they you know I that was like a week in Vegas with um 97 dudes and four. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite so, the rate. It's like being back in engineering school. Yeah, actually, it was a very familiar <laughs> jive for me. So, um, and, you know, like hockey or, or motocross or any of those sure, things. Sure, yeah. So, uh, there's another pattern for you to notice and point out and make me awkward about. <laughs> Not my intention. Not feel um, the reason I bring I'm that up. I'm just teasing. <laughs> the reason I bring that up is just because I referred to you, as we were just setting up, as a polymath. Because yeah, all, what does that exactly mean? I mean that, that is just that you do many things. So yeah, that, okay. that you have a lot of interests and a lot of expertise and a just varied interests, uh, like a your Renaissance woman in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, because I think Renaissance would imply that I do like some kind of positive change with it. More or less, I'm just collecting experience. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares at this point, right? Yeah. Because I'm more like a Borg. <laughs> <laughs> assimilate things fair enough <laughs> sorry for the star trek reference but uh no we'll survive uh we've just wait till i start piling on the karate kid three references or oh something boy. in this i won't keep up yeah well we that star trek stuff everyone so well well brad is our connection brad knows star trek brad yeah. also knows karate i, I kid said 3. it because i know he would be proud of me for throwing in He'd a, be way a star into trek it. reference but i mean you custom built this entire rv in which we now find ourselves and you're driving around the country right yep okay so can you talk me through sort of what led to that decision? Because that's admittedly kind of an unusual decision. It is. I'm a person plagued by unusual decisions. Awesome. Um. I have a magnet on my fridge that says my decisions are not always right, but they are always interesting. <laughs> that's, I like that. See, that's kind of, um, I don't know if right or wrong is, is my thing, though. It would be like my decisions may not always be, like, reasonable. <laughs> right. I mean, I didn't write the magnet. <laughs> no, no, I know. But I'm, I'm just paraphrasing for the sake of, of answering your question. So I, I think I was kind of um, uh, cursed from the beginning because um, I have a very abnormal family. Hmm. Um, but I love my family very much. But we're so outside the box that um, there was no way to get back in the box. You know, right. kind of like always looking at the box from the outside and being like, cool, that's there. 
but there's no real desire to be in the box either because man it is really interesting doing this stuff out here so yeah. um so i think what led to that is like well how do you keep this trip going you know this interesting thing you know and stories became kind of a driving force for me but also like athletics and stuff i've just i've never been like a jock but i've always just been really interested in training for things and finding like the exact recipe that gets you proficient at something yeah and then certain sports just completely turn me off and then some are just like yes this is amazing i get so stoked so like i played ultimate frisbee and then i got into hockey in college uh then it was like motorcycles and motocross and um i've always been an equestrian since i was like a toddler yeah basically and um you know i actually taught that and then rock climbing and i've taught rock climbing and um so there's certain things you get proficient enough to be an instructor which is great which included parkour which led to the ninja warrior stuff right but i think i think mainly it's just about like okay how what led to this it's it's mainly like saying yes to interesting opportunities right so when things come up you don't just like say well like oh well i can't do that you know like you just like but then you're like but what if i did totally <laughs> you know so it was like when i started acting i you know i was in this really toxic situation um in a work environment and i was just like i need to like hang out with people who are not these people i need to get away from this group and so i just googled two things i googled voice lessons and i googled acting hmm. and i'd always been attracted to film stuff i'd taken film classes every film class i offered in engineering school which is not many <laughs> <laughs> And and acting classes too. I took those there, and I was I was terrible. I was absolutely terrible. Where'd you go? Uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute okay. in upstate New York. All right, Troy, New York. Uh, the, any any nerdy people know it. Yeah, sure. Um, it's easy to get a job in the tech field when you've graduated from there, which is kind of a fun little thing to have on your resume. Well, yeah, and I mean that's not nothing when you're looking at a college. You know, how likely are you to get a job? That's the way a lot of people look at it. That's a nice box to check when you're Absolutely. exploring your secondary education. Right. You know, the saying yes to opportunities thing, I think it's just about something looks fun or interesting or um, even difficult. Like, uh, So the RV, tracing it back to the RV, you know, in like the Princess Bride, we're going to go oh, pull up the yeah. ultimate reference right now. Um, you know, which uh, they're threatening to remake. I just don't make me punch somebody because it's not going to be you, but I'm going to go out on the street. Yeah, no. Be like out of anger. No, I won't really do that. But <laughs> no, no, I read <laughs> that's that. That's how angry that day. would make me. But Carrie Ellis is tweeted right away. Good for him. That was great, by yeah, the way. That was awesome. that was a perfect tweet. Mm-hmm. He's he's probably he's kind of the perfect person. Yeah. Um. So anyway, he in the movie he goes off to seek his fortune, right? And he's like, um, you know, he he has to go seek his fortune across the sea, and she's really sad and all this stuff. And um, so there's this notion of seeking your fortune and fortune, and it's kind of typically a male thing. But I was just like. Man, I love that concept. Like, you have to pick up and you just have to go. And that, what's what does that mean? What does seeking your fortune mean? And it's not really about money. It It's about, like, finding your path. Like, you know, finding, you know, finding a stable, like, stability somewhere. And, and to me that meant, like, all right, well, I just need to, like, get out of this bubble and go, go seek. You know, it's just the seek part. And uh, I think that's where the nomadic part came from is mm. just like constantly being like well i know i know this i know this what's going on here but what's over there sure and i want to find out what's over there <laughs> and so i just like pick up and go and even when i had a lease somewhere it was really hard to do that because you're like paying for a place you're never at and paying for plane tickets and hotels or airbnbs and all that and so i was just like you know it'd be really fun in the, the you know this was like 10, 12 years ago. I was like, just live in a car. Just like constantly live in a car. And I was like, oh, yeah, like a van or something. And then lo and behold, seven years later, van life starts to become a thing. Yeah. 
And um, I was just like, ah, it's like my idea. <laughs> not that like other people don't want to live that same way. It's not like I coined it. But I, I was just like, yes, it's becoming a thing because sometimes when other people catch on to an to like a notion, infrastructure is created. Yeah. And so all of a sudden it becomes much easier to exist within this that weirdo bubble that you, you want to be part of. Yeah, and can, that's essentially exactly what happened. Right. You find your tribe a little bit. And you find your tribe. But it's, it's, it's more than that because it's not just about the people. It's about the infrastructure. It's about... Everyone else, the rest of society realizing that this is a subculture that exists right. and being okay with it or having to learn to be okay with it. And that's kind of where we're at with van life right now. Okay. Is like, I mean, you look around you in this parking lot. I think there's two or three vans parked yeah. here. And um, at other climbing gyms, it's the same thing. Um, and you see them. Now you know what to look for when you live on the road. So, like, mm-hmm. I've met people and just like, hey, is that your van? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, hi, I live in, I live in Lizzie over here. And they're like, oh, some half of them know my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this a great community and this infrastructure in place. So when I started to see that that was developing, I was like, oh, I can actually think about doing this now. And so I was like, what do I need to do that? I need to be able to work remotely. I need to be able to control my own time. And I was like, well, I need to start a business. So yeah. thankfully, my family has a track record of starting businesses, like little business, successful businesses. So I was like, sure, why not? And, so you've um, got the entrepreneur gene in you. I mean, they started like we had a restaurant and like yeah. a little like thrift store. And stuff what kind like of that. restaurant? It's like a it's like a European cafe meets like um, casual dining. It was very, very casual. You know, you order okay. at the counter, you sit down and they bring you the food and then you bring your dishes up at the end. Gotcha. My uh, my parents started a restaurant when I was a kid, too. Nice. It was this Italian restaurant, and the problem was they started it with these three other couples, so the vision Ooh, got, like... Blurred. Yeah. And so, like, it was a... My dad's thing was he wanted, like, Chicago-style tavern, like, pizza, like, super thin crust. Yeah. Um, and they didn't exactly want to do that. They, like... Another couple wanted to make it white tablecloth, so there's all this like sports memorabilia on the walls. Oh, weird! But it's like white tablecloth. Yeah. And you go, this place it's is neither confusing. fish nor fowl. Well, and that's the problem is you need to have one overall vision, yeah, and then you have to have support people who are like okay with that people who buy vision. into that vision, right? Basically, yeah. List, yeah. So, and I, they, I, we learned that. I mean, my mom had a partner originally, and it didn't work out, and um, it was very much like that. Like she had a very southern comfort food mentality and my mom's like you know a resident new york person who likes the comfort like like not east coast comfort food but i guess that's the closest so it's a mix of things like casseroles and baked goods but she was like one of the first people doing like gluten-free baking and stuff like that before it was like a thing but so people could come in and get gluten-free baked goods if they special ordered and everything so people really loved it and um I still keep the pancake recipe in my phone. Oh, it's cool. Like if I'm at somebody's house and you're there for breakfast and you're like, can I make pancakes? I have a really good pancake recipe. It was called Magnolias. So it was Magnolias Pancakes. So, yeah, I was just like, well, let me start a business. I've, I felt really drawn to doing that. I hate working for big companies and um, even working for other small businesses. It was like it was good, but it never really felt I needed something that was mine because yeah. there's something about putting all this time and effort that I I had all this desire to put time and effort in. And I always felt like it was either underappreciated or wasted. And so I was like, well, it's if it's my own thing, I can hold myself accountable and then also like feel like every amount of work I do or don't do is my is of my own making. You know, that's an amazing feeling. And I totally relate to that. When I was in my corporate gig, I thought of this lyric by uh, Rise Against punk band. Uh, in I've my <laughs> in my favorite song called Audience of One, one of the lines is, I brought down the sky for you, and all you did was shrug. And that's... Oh, that's <laughs> such a good... That's an exact... That's exactly what it feels like, because yeah. you work your butt off for somebody, and then they're kind of like, 
they just yeah they're just it's a shrug like, they're yeah, like right. great well here's the next deadline exactly. and then you just want to cry because you're like do yeah. you understand how much work i just did to like make this happen for you i'm actually struggling with this with a client right now because they um Really, really, really just want to blame me for everything that's going wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's been a huge stressor. <laughs> um, and uh, so I won't go into details. But um, but that's one of those things where you're just like, do you realize? Like, it's literally like exactly what you said. Yeah. You, like, you know, brought down the sky and they're just kind of like, meh. Well, yeah. And the next line in the song is, you give my emptiness a name. And so, like, that mm-hmm. for me was working in my corporate gig because you're killing yourself. Absolutely. And it does feel empty. I mean, that's the exact yeah. word for it. When I worked, when I just out of college, I had an engineering job in, um, in DC. And although I liked the people I worked with, I mean, that was the most empty I've ever felt. Yeah. And like, I were, I had an office with no windows, Ah, and no. I, you know, and then I just filled it with toys, nice. like, you know, like wind up toys and stuff. And then I got really good at shooting rubber bands at things off of my bookshelf. <laughs> so people would come hang out in my office because they said it looked like a toy store. Yeah. It's very <laughs> so, whimsical. Yeah. There was a joke that like when Reese is done here, she's going to open a toy store somewhere. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. <laughs> Which I never did. And I'm probably not going to, but. Not me either. But. It was a whimsical notion, you know. <laughs> I was like, well, it'd be better than here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Um, so yes, I, you understand the concept. and uh, Absolutely. So. But, uh, it's never been a question about owning my own business. It was just a matter of when yeah, just and a, what it was going to be. Kind of mine, too. And I had people explain to me that during the whole first season of my show, I uh, someone said to me, it's like, you were basically just training yourself to be an entrepreneur. I go, what do you yeah. mean? They're like, you were just interviewing nothing but entrepreneurs. And so... Oh, and learning their <clears throat> secrets. and Evidently, I my conscious mind wasn't necessarily doing that. Yeah. Are like, you always like starting new businesses in your head? Cause I do that all the time. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But mostly like I'm kind of comfortable in my business now. Yeah. And that might be a problem too. No, I love my business. I, I mean, that's the, the, that's like the ground, the grounding thing. Cause it's two things that I've absolutely, that I absolutely love doing for other people. Cause like people say, don't do what you love as a job. And I was like, but there's mm. a difference between doing something you love and doing something you love to do for other people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then no, all of a sudden great. it's like, you know, because art, like who are you doing art for? If you like doing art for you, then don't do it for clients because you'll be miserable. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> you'll be wildly miserable. Right. But then if you enjoy making paintings for people and hearing, like using their yeah. stories and stuff to create a painting, now all of a sudden you're you're doing a service. Mm-hmm. And the next step for that is to collect money for it. So, like, I started out building web pages when I was a teenager and then I just always built websites. It was just something I was always drawn to and I just loved doing them for people and friends and classes that I was in or whatever. Um, I loved doing design work and photography and, um, well, I didn't get into photography until later. I'd always had a camcorder that I carried around with me. Like a little film nerd. Um, (laughs) One day somebody's going to get a hold of my, uh, my childhood videos oh, that I made, my yeah my productions and um they're going to have a good laugh a very very good laugh but it was like one of those things where every time a class project could be a video that's what i did oh yeah and i had some really fun productions. that's then. awesome but um so yeah it was one of those things that you like you know if you like doing that as a project if you like doing it for other people then that's something you can make a job and i think that's an important distinction that people leave out all the time you know no it's not about not doing something you love as a job it's about Doing something you love to do for other people. Well, yeah, and, and then it's okay if you love the process too. Because and if you, well, if you don't love the process, you probably shouldn't be doing it. In the well, first no, place. of course <laughs> not. But you know, for instance, I've produced podcasts for organizations, mm-hmm. and they're not necessarily podcasts I'd listen to for fun. 
but you know they have a, a value to them, and I enjoyed writing them. I enjoyed producing them. I enjoyed right. you know cutting them together. Like I like that, that whole process. process. Yeah, yeah, that creative process of yeah. doing that. Like I don't just love shooting photography. I love editing, and I love yeah um, working on set and and all that stuff. And exactly. So, so I think that's the distinction you're making, which mm-hmm. is an important one, because like if you love all that stuff, all that you know, attendant stuff that goes into a final product. Even if I don't necessarily love the final product that I'm creating, I'm proud of it. And but I want But as long as the person you're creating it for likes it. Exactly. That's the payback. You're right. Because that's different. If you're if I'm creating a painting for somebody and they ask for something specific, I don't have to like it. They have to like it. Right. And then, so if you're doing it because you love doing it for someone else, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, we're on the same page yeah, and I totally. think we're just describing it differently. No, and I'm just reiterating I'm not like correcting you. I'm just reiterating. No, of course not. No. I didn't. Uh, I didn't get that vibe from you at oh, all. Okay. So, okay, tell me a little bit about your photography business then, because I read a little bit on the webpage, and we'll link yeah. to it on the companion blog piece oh, that goes you. up with this. But, um, like, what is your approach? What are the types of clients that you'd like to work with? I'll start with what I love doing, and then kind of the things that happened as a result of that, because that kind of I think defines my business. So, stories. We talked about stories. Sorry, I've got Brett trying to do diff- weird things to my ass back here. <laughs> he, <laughs> like, he keeps like turning around in a circle. Yeah, he likes being wedged in. Yeah, in I can feel that. He's really trying to get in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's funny is like I'll feel a paw and then he'll move and I'm like, what is Is this his back now? He's contorting. So, yeah. He's probably licking his own butt. <laughs> Because that's really when it starts to get weird. So, yeah, you got to lean on something to I'm, get some leverage. I'm right? really thrilled that references to Brad's licking his own butt is on a podcast. Yeah, that'll live on forever on the internet. I'm so, so happy about that. That's Well, you know what? It's buried. We're like 25 minutes into this. so Okay. I, I, I won't tell it won't you what. It won't be memorable. If we stop talking about it now, people won't even Tell you what, Risa, I will not lead with it, okay? <laughs> I don't care. Do you want <laughs> That would be an interesting sales job it's for this. My, it's my dog, not me. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, we should clarify. Brad is this adorable dog oh, yeah. that you uh, rescued from the Northern California wildfires. What, a yeah, year somebody, ago? Somebody rescued him, and I just re- rescued him from Craigslist. <laughs> a rescue, nevertheless. Yes. Secondary rescue. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so tell me what you love to do. Okay, so um, it, stories is the main thing. So photography, I just wanted to like, I would get these images in my head, and um, a lot of it has is grounded in like childhood nightmare and like Grimm's fairy tale type stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And I would get these cool images in my head, and I was like, I just want to make that real. I want to make that seem real to somebody, and yeah. for it, a single image or maybe two or three images, like a trip tech type thing to like tell a story. So I started dabbling with a camera that I had, and then um, at the engineering job, I had a friend actually had a Nikon DSLR that he just was like, hey, I don't use this. Do you want to just borrow it? And I was like, because I had been talking to him about messing around with the photo stuff. And I was like, sure. And he ended up basically, I had it for like, I had it for years. And he was like, yeah, just re-gift it to someone who needs it. And I did. I ended up t- giving nice. it to somebody else who was getting into photography, and it's one of those pay-it-forward type deals. But it was really fun, and I basically swore to myself that I would never shoot people because um, I was I'm socially awkward. Mm. I feel awkward. Like people don't think I'm socially awkward, but I, you know we talked about this before. But yeah, people um, don't think I'm socially awkward either. But yeah, I, oh. I just I do have a bit of, and it was more so before um, social anxiety, and um, and I think it's just like not knowing. Like I have always felt like I didn't get the memo on being a human, hmm. you know. So I've always just felt like I'm in a social interaction. And I'm just like. What do I do now? <laughs> what what am I supposed to do? Like everybody consul- seems to know what to do. And Let I don't- me consult my manual. Oh wait, I don't yeah, have, have one. one. Yeah. Where did I leave mine? So it's great to have friends who like get me because I just walk over to them and I'm like, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and that's helpful. Yeah. So now I kind of just embody. Like I'm kind of like just 
I just kind of own it and it's fine. But um, and so- I would if I only knew you because I this is the fir- my first exposure to you. Not today, but. The first exposure I had to you was in Jean-Claude Van Damme's Damn Van. Oh, yeah. And so I... I love that movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great movie. It brought so many cool people together. It just makes me, like, beam from ear to ear. Thank you, Brad. (laughs) I I never would have guessed that. You know what I mean? But you're playing a character in that, obviously. Oh, yeah, because I like the aviators and the tank top and the gun. You know? You can't go wrong (laughs) with those things. Like, if I could go to every party and that... (laughs) With that exact outfit, I'd have no problem at all. (laughs) You just show up, you're like, how you doing? And everyone's like, whoa. Yeah. It's just always play a character. Like that character, like you're like. Do you even change your clothes ever? I'm like, no. No, I have like ten of these. I have ten of them. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the the. the... <laughs> well, who's the guy who just wore the same clothes? Um, not Bill Gates. It was um, who's the the Apple guy? Oh, um, Steve Wait, Jobs. Steve Jobs. I'm like the Rambo Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when Daniel Radcliffe did that for like six months to uh, to fool the paparazzi? Oh, that he was, that it was Steve Jobs. No, no, no. Uh, he would wear the same clothes every single day uh-huh. because he he realized he did that twice in a row one day, and, and they would think it was always the same day, and then not use it anymore. Yeah, because they couldn't sell the photos anymore. That's so be, funny. Because they didn't look new. Oh man! So he wore the same outfit for like now. six months. Yeah, I give him a lot more credit now. That guy's actually really cool. See, uh, another person where I would be, should be like, dude, just tell me your story. A to B, like you were just such a little kid when all this started. Were you like how? No kidding. How the heck? Did, was that as as a, a child? You've like, got to see him. Like so, this weirdo like sports website called Deadspin does awards every year, mm-hmm. and he presents the award for worst tweet. So, in his charming sort of British accent, yeah. he reads these tweets out loud from like these dickhead sports reporter guys That's or fantastic. athletes or whatever, and like he. <laughs> He'll be like, uh, and this one comes from Kurt Schilling. Oh, that's never good. <laughs> so he just comments on it. Too. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, there's like commentary. Oh, with I do want to see that. That sounds. We'll fun. watch it once uh, once we're done with this because okay, you'll you'll good. dig it. It's fantastic. Um, he's the um, why am I blanking on names today? I'm so sorry. Who played Frodo? Uh, Sean Astin. No, Frodo, not oh, Sam. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, Elijah. Elijah Wood. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like Daniel Radcliffe is like British Elijah Wood. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that theory before, but that's pretty good. It's really, it's pretty accurate, right? That's not bad. Okay, thank you. Yeah, this is, these are the notions I carry around. I'll give me. you that one. Okay. That's not bad. This is also why I have social anxiety because these are the kind of things I'm scared to share with people because I'm really like, yeah, that's kind of weird. No, <laughs> the weirder the better on this show. Well, no, this is that's why I felt okay with sharing it. But sometimes I'm at like a party and I share things and I'm just like. Maybe you should keep your mouth shut next time. <laughs> Risa, I wrote on Facebook today uh, how my brain makes unintentional mashups of songs. Oh, and, I love that. And yes. so, like... Um, my brain um, flips consonants sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah, just for funsies. Interesting. That's why my favorite joke is, um, if life gives you melons, you're probably <laughs> dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great joke. <laughs> But yeah, no, I wrote, Sorry, <laughs> I wrote about how uh, the, the song My Body by Young the Giant will... Bef- <laughs> I'm already laughing. Like, <laughs> I don't know where it's going, but it's got to be good. <laughs> Without realizing it, goes into uh, Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> and I don't want to sing it because I'm not a good singer. Just speak it. It's fine. So it's like, my body tells me no. <laughs> But I won't quit. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, my brain just does that. And it's way more annoying than so, you think it's going to be. I, I'm going to say you have a special brain, but I don't mean that in a bad way. No, I, I understand. Mean it in a good way. Yeah, it's, 
It's something I've had people tell me I have an odd way of describing things and an odd way of talking oh, me too. as well. So yeah. no, we're like kindred spirits here in I, that way, which is great. I'm so glad we did this. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's I I think I uh, I do I use a lot of metaphors, but I use a lot of very weird metaphors. As do so I. So I'll say it's like, and then I'll say something, and people are like, "What? What? I, actually, it is kind of like." That. <laughs> So I'm like, yes, and I'm really proud of my metaphors sometimes. Like, I'm getting really intense when I teach. I get really intensely into teaching, and then I use all these metaphors. So I'm, like, teaching horseback riding, and I, and I like, you know, why is it important to do this thing and, like, relative to a horse? And, like, I remember using some skateboard metaphor one time, and people totally. were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, nailed it. No, I mean, that's helpful, too, because I do a lot of, like, corporate training, and I do teaching. I taught public speaking for two years. If you can find this oblique sort of weird way of making a point where, like, it lights up someone's brain in a way that they weren't expecting. Right. Well, it's like, about, that's, that's such a gift. Not to be a cliche or say a cliche line, but the thinking outside the box thing, which is essentially kind of how I live my life, is sort of, um, it's just, like, ingrained. So I'm just, like, I feel like I naturally try to find the box, and then I'm, like, cool, what's everything outside of that? Like, I just, I always dismiss the box. Like, like literally whatever is the norm is the last thing I think of. Yeah. So, like, what am I going to do with my life? I don't think about getting a nine-to-five job and getting married and having kids. Like, I don't think about that. I'm basically like, um, could I, could I make a living while climbing all the really famous climbing crags in this and, nice. and still have a mountain bike to do cool stuff there? Um, yeah. And then, you know, I would love to take bread on a multi-day hike and that would be cool for his little life. You know, and it's just like the kinds of things I go for. And then if somebody asks me things about like marriage and whatnot, I'm basically like, um, maybe, but like, how could we make it not suck? Like, the ceremony and and i know Uh lots of people are into it and like to each their own but to me the whole concept is like the lamest thing (laughs) and i'm sorry (laughs) i've actually pissed people off royally by i remember working at a restaurant in boulder and this girl was getting married and she brought on all these wedding magazines she's like well i wanted you guys to like look with me and i was like this is awful (laughs) and she got so mad at me and i was just like look i'm not saying for you you like this but this is my opinion i just think this is awful like like, i am way not into this the commercialism aspect of it just makes me nauseous well and so here's the thing uh and i agree with you like i never related to people who wanted to get married for the sake of getting married just like I want to have a wedding and I want to do that. Like, right. And, and I go. And some people do and that's fine. I have no problem. No, with I that. agree. I've just never related to that impulse. Right. For me, it was when I married my wife, I'm like, will my life be better or worse with her in it over the long term? Right. And for me, it was exponentially better as I look forward and it Absolutely. has been. But that's a that's a better concept than the way some people approach it. Where I it's agree. Like, like they have the it's formula about inverted. the thing in the day and then the. Oh, yeah. No, that's fucked. And and I'm just like, why? I feel like your priorities are all wrong. And I know that seems obvious to say, but, I mean, people get so... There's like a trench of of social expectations. Mm -hmm. And people kind of don't realize they've slid in so far that there's anything outside of it. Right. And now we've turned a box into a trench because (laughs) I'm doing this on purpose, not accidentally. Because it's so deep, you can't see out of it. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't realize there's another way to do things. And I've grown up so much outside of any of that stuff that I can't even fathom even going anywhere near it. I'm kind of like, it's like a, you know. Right. 
So it actually makes me, gives me a lot of anxiety when people ask me stuff <laughs> like, like, oh, you can have kids and get married. And I'm just like, I just like, look, these things as singular concepts, like, yes, there are decisions at fun point in your life and that's fine. But like the way they ask it, it's within the trench. Agreed. Not from any realm of knowing me or who I am and what I might want in, in life. And I just get like, can I not talk about this? Like, yeah, that question I, is bullshit. I don't even want to answer the question, you know? Like, I just don't like answer. It just makes me uncomfortable. Like, not uncomfortable in a way where I'm like, I don't have an answer. It's just uncomfortable. And, like, I don't know where you're – I don't like where you're coming from. And I don't like that you're asking me this question with no regard from, yeah. for actual me. You know, when I ask people questions because we were talking about getting to know people and interviewing and, and I like people's stories and stuff, I try to be very purposeful about how I ask questions from an aspect of, like, who this person is and where they're coming from. So, like, I'm not going to ask, like, another kind of independent free spirit person about, you know, a nine to five job. Like, oh, what's your next job? Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, or something like that. I would take I'm just like I'm going to leave that question out of it. It's just basically like, so where are you off to next? Or, um, you know, what drives the next move? You know, I'm talking kind of like knowing from my perspective that there's like a certain vibe about where, you know, where you're going and why and when you move and all that stuff. And. Um, so it's just, you try to relate to people on their level instead of trying to put them into, in, bring them into your level. Like, don't ask people questions from, from your world that doesn't that make people feel comfortable. No, I agree. And one thing I was struck by, as you said that, is the first question almost any American will ask you is, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Right. Not what do you do? What do you do for a yeah, living? Yeah, Exactly. And I'm um, just like, well, those are separate things. Yeah, no, agreed. <laughs> and so, there's like, living, and then there's a doing. <laughs> so my show started out with that sort of as it took, you know, understanding that that was the first question. Mm -hmm. But that's why I like the long form interview because I never know where it's going to go. Yeah, and we're, on, so, we're on all sorts of tangents. Already. Totally, no. <laughs> so if you get, if you get, you know, someone going and you ask them the right questions, you are going to unlock their humanity in a way where simply asking them what their vocation is never would right you know like how did you get there what you know why do you do the things that you do what makes you successful what do you love about it you know are are you satisfied in it do you want to leave like mm -hmm. like let's be better humans let's you know get empathy in the world let's be better humans yeah does nobody think of that i <laughs> i think about it all the time like um it's a concept i absolutely love and it drives pretty much everything i do is the concept of like why why do anything like why like let's get real existential here like why do anything and it's kind of like hmm. well if you choose to participate in this world that we are in what would be a motivator to do that other than just i mean kind of and I, i'll say this is a shallow concept but shallow concepts like happiness or success mm -hmm. i mean those are concepts and they are things you can kind of put into subcategories but i think they're rather shallow concepts for an overall existence and they do have value but yeah. But you are a human being on this planet for a short amount of time. Wouldn't it be interesting to see how well you can do that hmm. as a thing? Yeah. You know, like how well can I pull that off? Like, what, But then that's, that's completely subjective, right? That's completely up to you what that means. And it brings you a whole new level of interest in, in participating in the world, right? Because now it's not about other people. It's not about how other people see you. It's about you choosing your level of participation yeah. and where you want to take that. And so that automatically in my head includes the concept of being a better person because I'm just like, wouldn't it be cool if I did this to me, did the best I could as, as a human on, on in this consciousness plane for as long as I exist and I'm aware of it. 
by enjoying the stories that have just been like laid out. I mean, there's that whole, you know, if you want to get into philosophy, like the simulation concept, yeah, like yeah. the whole thing is a simulation. No? Um, and I don't necessarily believe that, but if, if you, if that's you, a little too solipsistic for me. Yeah. Sorry. But if you like, you just engage that for a second, you can think like, well, if it is a simulation, then man, somebody wrote some really cool stories. You yeah. know, it's like playing a video game where somebody spent a lot of time making the gameplay really interesting and, and that each character had like some really in-depth storyline. Right. And I'm just like, well, why wouldn't you enjoy that? Why wouldn't you spend the time and get to, like, really participate in that? Like, you paid for the game. You're in the game. You might as well play the game. Exactly. Um, but then as part of that, like, getting people's stories and all that stuff, it come, you know, and you could keep the video game reference going, is becoming a better person. So, you know, increasing your stats. <laughs> um, right. Leveling up, I don't even up, play so video games, so it's kind of funny that I'm using this reference. I don't really either. No. Um, <laughs> But it, you know, here we are with the metaphors that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, the, I feel like the analogy stands where um, if you're choosing to play the game, you might as well do a good job at it. Because yes. why would you play the game if you were just going to be shitty at it, you know? Except if you're a ninja warrior. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to rope that right around. Because <laughs> that's the point. Um, or at least for me it was. Um, God, it was so bad on the show. Uh <laughs> I want to build off something that you said. Yeah. One of the most intensely liberating thoughts that I had or realizations is that ultimately no one gives a shit, right? What? And just bear with me on this because okay, I, I, saw I, you, I saw you nonverbally react. Oh, to did that. you see the fire in my eyes? <laughs> a little bit. And it means that yeah. long term, no one is keeping uh, a scorecard on you. And if they are, they're a bunch of fuckers, right? So you have the freedom to try things and fail. Which means no, the like, only person keeping a scorecard on you is you. Exactly. So if that's the case, why not do your best to put good into the world? Like to to your concept, like you're not doing this for any other reason other than we're playing the game. Right. Yeah. So let's do it the best we can because no one else is keeping score. Right. Why would you do any? Why would you sell yourself short by by doing anything less? Right. But and people could misread that when I say the best you can, I don't mean that in some kind of overachieving like no, oh, no. I always have to be productive. Not like some like, Tracy Flick. No, way. no, no. But it, it's like the best you can is just like you know I want to be the person who reads in a hammock for several hours and takes a nap in somewhere epic. You know I want to be the person who like finds a cool little camping spot and stays there for two days. And, you know on some lake somewhere and you know hangs out with bread and. That's what I'm hearing. Like, again, no, this is I, I, it's I all relative you. to it's all subjective to your own experience. But like, yeah, I don't want people to get the vibe that like, oh, I do all these things. Um, what do you call it? Polymath. Yeah. Like that I'm a polymath because somehow I'm I'm trying to like overachieve. I'm trying to do too much. I'm just like, no, but it all just this all just sounds super fun and interesting. Yeah, you're not collecting fucking trophies. Right. For it. No, absolutely not. It's not trophies. And then like the people I meet and the people I want to like work with on stuff and everything. It's really just about like, hey, like come be like come be a part of this cool thing because this is awesome like being an actor i mean what a f what a f sorry what a larf what a fucking trip like that's <laughs> so cool like you know film sets are just so fun i mean oh, yeah. yeah they can get dramatic sometimes but it's just so much fun and the people you form all these bonds with people and it's just fantastic and i'm like that is an experience i just want to keep doing and i've been around you know i kind of out of the game for like three years and of course i get thrown back in with actors and being on set this week and right. i'm just like why did i ever leave this is amazing mm. and so i just want to 
I want to provide that experience for other people. I want to rope other people into it. And to me, that's exactly what we're talking about. That to me is, is being the best human that I can be is just like engage the game, play this game. And, but what does that game look like to you right now? <laughs> no. The RV and, and all those other things. I'm doing. So a, a couple of reactions to that one yeah. filmmaking is such an intense team sport. Which is so cool because you've got all these people doing all sorts of mundane tasks just in service of trying to create this piece of art, whatever it is. Right. Like, and, a piece and that's of art so that relies beautiful. on every single one of those people doing, doing their job well and right. being passionate about it. Yeah, executing. And like even if you're just moving cables or setting up lights or whatever, yeah. right? That you, the movie is not going to be as good if you don't do that to the best of your ability. Right. Or if you don't care or if you... I don't know. I feel like so another metaphor, if you will. Yeah, please. Um, when we had the restaurant, I think we all attributed most of the fact because it wasn't anything fancy at all. It was very simple. But I feel like we attributed most of the success to um, our secret, which is there's love in the food, hmm. and um, it's it, it's about passion and it's about like your intent. And I I truly feel that it comes across in almost anything you do. You know, I feel like the reason I get business you know, by word of mouth is because I'm really passionate about small businesses and helping actors and helping, you know, uh, entrepreneurs and stuff make their vision happen. Like I'm really passionate about it. And I'm like, look, I have rates. Yes. But like, tell me what you need and what you want. And we're going to figure out how to make it happen. We'll make it work. Yeah. We'll make it work. And, you know, I'm constantly surprised about people being inflexible in that way, but I'm just like, hey, if that's my niche, that's my niche. But absolutely, I, I absolutely feel like, and film sets are one of those things where you can be on a film set and people don't seem passionate. And sure, maybe it makes a film, maybe it does okay, but there's something about films like John Claude Van Damme's Amman is a really good example of something where everybody on that set is just stoked to be there yeah. and really excited. And it's like, this is going probably not much of anywhere, but we're having <laughs> yeah. a blast doing it. And I feel like people who know or people who like see it feel that energy. They're like, man, you all like committed a hundred percent to this thing. Yeah. And and then some, I mean, the marketing materials speak for themselves, but um, <laughs> that's one of those projects where you're just like absolutely made with love. And, yeah. um, and that's the coolest feeling is being part of something like that. Cause it never leaves you. You'll always remember it and you'll always feel good about it. And, um, it's like that one sandwich. There's like a, there's like, you know, you know, at the restaurant, there's like the regular who comes in who just really appreciates yep. what you do. And you always make their breakfast burrito the same way. And it's just like, you know, you just take some extra care and you're just like, I really want you to enjoy this burrito today. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's a small part of their day, but that doesn't mean it's not important. Yeah. But the thing is, I'll remember making that. Totally. That if you're the person. And I just think that's that. Those are the kinds of experiences that have value, and that's, like, the thing with, you know, engaging tasks and film sets and all the stuff we were just talking well, about. Well, so, Risa, the other thing I was going to say was a lot of times people will tell me, it's like, wow, you do really, like, interesting stuff. Like, I'll write for Brad on the 48 mm -hmm. or, you know, like, uh, my wife and I will go see, like, some WWE pay-per-view or whatever. Like, you know, we'll go do, like, goofy awesome. stuff and, yeah. you know, just, like, fun things. People are like, man, that's really fun. I wish I could do that. And I go, you fucking can. I, I get that all the time. Do you yeah, know how many I times I get people looking at this like, I've always wanted to do that. And I'm like, so do it. Do it. <laughs> like, seriously, like, that kills me. And one of the quotes that... Uh, it hurts being a person who does things, who doesn't wait around for 
and not do things to hear that from other people because you're oh, like, it breaks my heart. It's really like, yes, it's hard, but it's also not that hard because all it takes <laughs> is like the first step. Like it's, it sounds really corny, but that's all it is. Like, you know, I, I told you like after I got out of the, I was in that toxic social environment and I was just like, I just Googled. The first step was Googling acting classes. Yeah. And next thing you know, I'm at an acting class. And next thing you know, I have an agent. And next thing you know, I'm on film sets. And next thing you know, I have some of the best friends I've ever made in my entire life. Right. And a huge network of amazing people in Denver just because I Googled acting, you know. Absolutely. It's uh, There's a quote I always use on this show. It's from Warren Miller. Do it this year because if you don't, you'll be one year older when you do. Do it today. Right? Not this year. Do it well, today. So he's talking about skiing. Oh. but. You know, so well, it, do that this year, I guess. Right, <laughs> can't do that. Today. But but the point still stands. You know, like do it now. Otherwise, you know, tomorrow's promise to no one, which right. is essentially the the essence of that quote. But I I brought that up because I figured you got that kind of compliment all the time, and it's a compliment, but it's also like it's a it's a story in tragedy in in a handful of words. It's a responsibility. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of one of those, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, I mean, people will be like, yeah, I really, I've always thought about starting a podcast. I want to start a podcast. I go, then do it. It's really not hard to do. Yeah. I hear that with writing. I hear it with living on the totally. road. I hear it with yeah, uh, writing sports a book. stuff. Um, Visiting places. Oh, yeah, I had a friend who was just like, I've always, I, you know, I meant to write a novel before I turned 30. And I was like, have you started it? And he's like, no. And I was like, well, now you know what you're doing today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well played. And I think he did. And I was just like, yes. Good. I don't take credit for that, but like I think no, so, but everyone you know needs a nudge, it, though. But like, it's not even the nudge. I think it's it's self imposed, right? I'm not taking credit for that because you know when somebody's needs to do something when they bring it up, that's oh, the true. first step, right? Oh, that's if a great point. They even bring it up, like that's an, that could be a good enough first step. Well, I always meant to do this thing. I'm like, all you have to do is look at them. I'm like, <laughs> you don't need me for this <laughs> internal process that's going on. I'm like, no, but they do, like. You, you almost serve as a mirror for them, no, right? Yes, you serve as a mirror, absolutely, because I think you're the reminder of what maybe they haven't done that they wish they had. Yeah. But then you don't – but they don't need your input for that. No, not necessarily. Just need, make, maybe you're just – But in some way, like you are providing some sort of service there. You are being utilitarian in a way. Yeah. I just don't want to like sit around and take credit for like – no, you know, it, urging people to do stuff. I mean, yes, sometimes I sit around and I hear people who hate their jobs or, um, you know, are stuck in a place they don't like to be and things like that. And I'm just, you know, and like, oh, being nomadic, that just that sounds like so cool. Like sometimes I just don't like being in one place too long. And I'm like, big, big secret. You don't have to stay anywhere. <laughs> like, you could even just live out of Airbnbs and probably pay just about as much as you do in rent, especially in the Bay Area. <laughs> like, probably. And, um, I mean, there's such a good infrastructure for living on the road that nobody knows about. Like, That's it's, awesome. It's until you start living on the road that you, like, you don't realize how much of a community there is for this. Hmm. It's the only. It's for the only reason it's like actually enjoyable is because there's a community. Everybody's super supportive of each other, and um, a lot of it exists on Instagram, which is interesting because hmm. I've never been much of an Instagrammer. But I started it for the build, and then just you all. Everybody just kind of like finds you. Nice. And uh, I've had meetups with other uh, van and RV people. Um, this is a Toyota RV specifically, which okay. has its own club. <laughs> Interesting. Because there's uh, there's not very many of them, and uh, they're kind of a collector's item. Um, and then so I'm one of the. I have a rare one with this big window here, and then uh, it makes it extra rare because it's a complete rebuild. Wow. So. Um, so it's a real hot commodity then. Like people probably like just want to see it, and that people have offered me money for it. Really? Yeah, just absolutely. I, <laughs> I had a friend who had a Nissan truck. It was like a 1986 and a half, 
Nissan truck. <laughs> 1986 and a half. Yeah, it was crazy. And uh, it would just be parked in front of our house in college, and people would knock on the door and be like, hey, are you selling this truck? Oh, that's awesome. And he's like, no. Yeah. Like, there's no for sale sign in it or anything, but he would just get offers from people coming off the street. It was People too come weird. up to me at gas stations all the time, usually um, older men. <laughs> <laughs> Probably mid-50s. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And, um, by the way, I like... I totally dress down when I'm like on the road, on the road. You know, mm. I try to look a little scraggly. Oh, funny. Because <laughs> you just don't want, you don't want people coming up to you. I just, it's just, I'm trying to be safe. Because that's a, another question people ask me is just like, well, how do you deal with like safety and everything? And just like, make yourself look like crap. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I, and, until well, you have I mean, to park somewhere and then I put a dress on and clean right. myself up. Um, well, I mean, that'll take you only so far though. I like, know. I'm I mean, just, I'm actually exaggerating. It's not that bad. But you know, my, when I'm driving, I wear like a t-shirt and shorts or pants. It's just nothing fancy. But, right. um. I, I try to be inconspicuous. I'll say that. I'll try to be inconspicuous. But, um, no, like, um, people come up to me at gas station campgrounds all the time and are like, what is this thing? I've never seen, like, a Toyota pickup with a motorhome on it. Or, or I've heard of these or I've seen these before. And I'm like, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a whole rebuild. Like, you know, and you try not to give you try not to give too much info because you don't want people to think it's, like, crazy. So I just save that for Instagram. But yeah. um, it is fun to have something and have put work into something that's desirable, right? It's, I feel it's the same as investing in a home as opposed to renting all the time is like, this is an asset for me. And, um, and that it's a sellable asset that, you know, will retain its value. I mean, there's some little things that need yeah, sure. and stuff, but that's because I was learning all of this as, yeah. as I went. But, um, but no, overall it's incredibly creative and well, thank you. yeah. It, and it's gorgeous too. Like the backsplash you have, um, you do, know, do you know um, those are tin? A thing that you'll never want to actually experience is what, a thing. What's tin, that? Tin splinters. Oh, no. <laughs> that sounds awful. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, that sounds uh, horrifying. Because I had to hand cut all of those. Jeez. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, we need to wrap up, believe okay. it or not. Uh, now's the time on the show when we do plugs. Where can people find you? Mm -hmm. uh, plug anything social media, plug your business, whatever you want to plug, do it now. I hope you have some time left. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So I um, currently have three Instagram accounts. If you just want my whimsical nonsense, that's just at Risa Scott. Um, the RV build and travels and um, kind of adventures with um, Brad and Lizzie and me is the Leisure Odyssey. Um, and that's just all lowercase, all one word kind of thing. And then uh, my business is, um, I actually have somebody managing that for me, thank goodness, because there's just too much to do with social media. Um, and that's at RF Scott Imagery. And uh, that's also on Facebook. And then I just have a personal page on Facebook. But then the web pages, there's Risa Scott Photo is my photo page. There's RF Scott Imagery is like the overall business page. Um, and there's stuff in the works for like a new bigger LLC and stuff that's going to be kind of cool launching in 2020. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> there's all the acting and modeling stuff. So there's risascottmodel.com and risascott.com as the acting page. So wow. It's a little intense. I don't update all of them all. <laughs> well, you know what? The companion blog piece is going to look a bit spammy, but I will link to all of that on John. You don't have to do all US. of it. I think maybe just the business stuff or the, the RV stuff. It's Fair enough. Like, it's all good. Well, whatever. We'll work that out. Yeah. Um, I'm very Googleable because I, I have a clearly. weird name. <laughs> um, and if you Google you, uh, like the fourth entry when it started, starts it's something off with, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So which year's, uh, which year's submission video is that though? Uh, the 2012? Yes. Okay. 
That's the better one. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway, Risa, this was an enormous pleasure. Uh, Brad is just so cool for suggesting this. And I agree. being the impetus for me starting this podcast, too, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Does he get mentioned on every one of your podcasts? A lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shocking amount of them because he's always throwing guests my way, and people always ask me about the origin story, so i got to bring him up again. Yeah, totally. Next time I see him, I'm just going to have to downsize his face. Cause downsize his face? <laughs> But uh, anyway, so this That's was fun. great. No, uh, I, I really appreciate it. This was really fun. And um, just the opportunity to kind of like have a whimsical chat about the whole yeah. crazy adventure is fun. I love that too. So, Risa, safe travels and continued success to you. Thank you. Say goodbye to Bread, though. Bye, Bread. <laughs> That'll do it for episode 227 of the John of All Trades podcast with Risa Scott. Had a great time in your van. Had a great time with your dog, Bread. I hope you all travel safe, whatever you're doing. I wish you nothing but success whatever you do next. Be sure to check out all of her links to John of All Trades companion blog. J-O-N of All Trades.us. You can also find it in the show notes. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, and a billion other podcasters. No matter what you're listening to us on, hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. First job series is on Mondays. Risa gave me like 15 of them. That was highly amusing. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. Let's pay some love to our sponsor, 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E-S. No matter what you're doing online, if you're building a website, doing a campaign, getting your good service or candidate in front of the people who need to see it most, your social media marketing or online advertising, or really anything else in the digital space, 4Degrees is the firm you need to hit up. Could not be prouder to feature them here. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Stay up to date with John of All Trades on social media. J-O-A-T pod is the handle. That's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Facebook is the only place to find for job series. Instagram is a place to find adorable cat photos under the hashtag worst coworker ever. I work from home. I got a cat next to me, and he's a real pain in the ass. I'm back here next week with a brand new episode. Until I hear you again. Say goodnight, crazy. That's good, Johnny.